Good morning, everyone. I'm not speaking today, except right now I am. Uh, I asked Todd if he would cover preaching today. Uh, it's often nice to have different perspectives in uh, Scripture, so we're looking at the continuing series of Journey to Jerusalem out of Luke, and I've asked Todd Mitchell to take this passage and share his insights. Todd is a chaplain in our BC Correctional Services, and um, he's got a unique story, unique perspective. And so, uh, would you welcome Todd as he comes to bring scripture with us today? Whoa. Well, it's uh, good to be with you. Good morning, 915 edition of uh, Maple Ridge uh, Alliance Church. That's the last time I'll say that until the fall, because next week we're back to, uh, to one service. Uh, thank you, uh, Pastor Tom and the leadership for the opportunity to, uh, to be up here and, and can continue in this series uh, through the book of Luke. Uh, Jesus is on... Uh, this journey, and it's a journey that, that inevitably is going to lead him to the place where he's going to go to a cross, and he's going to die on the cross and bear the punishment for all of our sins, and thankful to him for that. And I liken this journey to a funnel. You know what a funnel is, right? Like that, <laughs> like that, right? Uh, this particular passage, Luke 18 and 19, uh, we're starting to get to the narrow part of the funnel. Uh, Jesus' journey is, is, is starting to wind down, and it's crunch time. Uh, destination, Jerusalem. And I've titled the message, uh, Snapshots of the Savior's Kingdom. And, and a snapshot is not a, not a full picture, but it's, it's a, little, a little glimpse, if I, if I can put it that way, a glimpse or a little taste of what is. Uh, Jesus came and, and he was bringing this kingdom. And it was a kingdom that kind of operated a little differently than, than what the world at that time, what our world today uh, is used to. It's a kingdom where real seeing is with faith. And in Luke 18, 35 to 43, Jesus is on this journey. And of course, there was always crowds Always crowds following because they were curious about who he is, what is he going to do next, what is he going to say. So he always had this crowd following him. And as he approaches, uh, as he approaches Jericho, <clears throat> a blind beggar was sitting be beside the road. And when he heard the noise of the crowd passed, he asked what was happening. And they told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. And what's interesting in this portion of scripture is his response. It wasn't, hey Jesus, can you help me? It was Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And son of David is a, spe a specific title. It's a title that refers to the Messiah. The Messiah that was going to come and rule in righteousness. So even though this individual was blind physically, his response and what he said to Jesus was showing he was seeing with faith. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And of course the crowd there uh, 
telling him to be quiet, sit down. So he says it even louder. He's not daunted. He's, not, he's undaunted. He's, he's determined. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And look at what Jesus says. He heals him and says what? Your faith. Your faith has healed you. And I'm reminded of the thief that was on the cross beside Jesus. And the other thief is, is, is belittling Jesus. And, and, and this other thief on the other side calls him out. He says, we're, we're basically up here. We deserve to be up here. This man has done nothing wrong. And he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your what? Kingdom. When you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, this day, you will be with me in paradise. That thief, he saw with faith. And I'm reminded of Thomas, one of the disciples. In John chapter 20, uh, Jesus had risen from the dead. And he had appeared to all the disciples after he'd risen from the dead. A time before, Thomas wasn't there. He did it again. Thomas was there. And Thomas sees Jesus, and he's able to touch him, and he says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, you, you, you say that because you've seen me. Blessed are those who haven't seen me, but believe. And again, that is seeing with faith. And this kingdom that Jesus brings, uh, and it hasn't come to full fruition, that will happen when Jesus comes back again as he promised he will, and he promised he would. But we have these little snapshots, and the first part is that it's seen with faith. Not with our physical eyes, but with faith. There was a story uh, a few years ago, uh, 2018, in Dallas. You may have read about it or, or, or looked it up. Uh, an off-duty police officer uh, mistakenly went into uh, an apartment that she thought was hers and saw a man sitting there. Uh, thinking that the man was an intruder, she shot him and killed him. And when the court that took place, uh, the young man who was shot, his last name was Brand. His younger brother, uh, Brand Jean, was 18 years old. And he got up onto the stand to testify. And I watched it the other night. And it was the quietest. It was like he was the only person there. And he went on to say how much he loved Jesus. That he didn't wish this person any harm. He just wanted what was best for her. And then... He asked the judge, can I go and hug this person? And there was a pause of absolute silence. And then the judge says, yes. And this 18-year-old kid walks down and hugs this person that had shot and killed his brother. And when I, see, when I think of seeing with faith, this young man, 18 years old, he looked at an absolutely awful and impossible situation. Not with his physical eyes, but with the eyes of faith. 
And as we move on here, uh, if you've gone to Sunday school and whatnot, uh, the story of Zacchaeus is probably pretty familiar. The little tax collector, you know, that couldn't see anything, so he ran up and climbed up a tree so he could see, so he could see Jesus. Point two, it's a kingdom, this kingdom that Jesus brings, it's a kingdom where real living is by faith. Now, how many people here, and I want hands to go up, how many people here love paying their taxes? Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> that's what I thought. We have sort of a, a mild, oh man, tax season. Uh, back in Jesus' day, uh, that was hyped up a little bit more. That the tax collector in Jesus' day, which is what Zacchaeus was, he was collecting taxes off of the people for the conquering Romans who were running the show at the time. Not only that, once he collected his 10 or 15% for Rome, often they take a little bit more for themselves. So, it was collecting taxes for a conquering country, and I'm going to rip you off too. So the tax collector in Jesus' day, uh, not mildly disliked. I, I, I would go so far as to say despised and, and, and hated. But of course, he hears about Jesus. He's curious. But he's short. He can't see over everybody. So off he goes. Up the tree. Now he's got a good vantage point. And it's interesting that Jesus and the throng that's walking with him stops right at that spot. Right at that spot, right at that tree where Zacchaeus is, looks up, and he doesn't tear a strip off him because he's a tax collector ripping off people. He says, come on down. I've got to have a meal with you at your house today. And isn't that interesting about Jesus? He doesn't point his finger at us. He just says, come. Warts and all. That's the Savior. It's a kingdom where real living is by faith. And look at, Jesus, look at Zacchaeus' response. We see there <clears throat> that he climbed down quickly and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. He probably was not expecting that because he probably had a fairly good idea of what, of what everybody else thought about him, how they felt about him. So he probably was not expecting that. So he, when Jesus says, come down, we're going to have dinner together. I'm going to come to your house and have dinner with you. He comes down quickly, and he's excited, and he's full of joy. And look at his response. So he spent time with Jesus, had Jesus in his home, and this is what his encounter with Jesus produced. Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus. It changed his life. He had faith in Jesus. And now that faith showed itself in a changed lifestyle. 
where he had been ripping people off and only thinking of himself, now he's thinking of others and he's going to give to others. So it's a kingdom where real living is by faith. And I wanted to share a story with you about a fellow who lived a long time ago, uh, the 1800s, 1890s. Uh, his uh, performance name or his stage name was Blondin. Uh, his real name, I think his last name, was, was Gravelar. And what his specialty was, was uh, tightrope walking. And I looked up on, 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 on the web, uh, and they have these old pictures of, and some of the things that this guy did, um, pushing a wheelbarrow across a tightrope, riding a bike across, like it's just, yeah. Would not even enter my mind to even think about doing something like that. But anyways, these pictures are there. And there's a story of on one occasion, he walked across from the American side of Niagara Falls to the Canadian side of Niagara Falls. Okay, now that's, like, that's not walking from that end of the stage to that end of the stage. That's a long, long ways. And Niagara Falls isn't just a little trickly stream. That's big, big waterfalls. So anyways, and of course, there's a huge group of people there, and they're, they're going crazy as this guy does this. So he goes, comes back, and everybody's chanting, Blondin, Blondin, and they're cheering. And being a performer, puts his hand up. I am Blondin, do you believe in me? Yeah, 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 we believe. And he says, do you believe I can piggyback someone? Cross the tightrope and back. Yeah, 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 we believe, we believe. Who's going to volunteer? Dead silence. <laughs> Dead silence. Eventually, an individual came up from the crowd, hopped on Blondin's back, and for the next three hours, off he went. Over to Canada, back to the States. And it's interesting. The kingdom that Jesus brings is where real living is by faith. A whole bunch of people there said the same thing. We believe. One person, one person showed that they actually did. Put his belief into practice. And, and, and when you go through the scriptures, uh, that's what ties all the, all the, what I would call the famous people in scripture, your Abrahams and whatnot. They weren't perfect. But God said, they heard, they believed, and then they acted. They're not separate things. It's, that's what believing faith is. And that's what Zacchaeus shows here. His life was changed in his encounter with Jesus Christ. And he went from thinking about just me to others. Broadened his scope and how he can help others. last point, Luke 19, 11 to 27. This kingdom that Jesus brings, it's a kingdom where real serving is in faith. And you have the account, I'm not going to read the passage, but you have the account of the servants here. The servants took what they were given from the master, and they put it to work. They made something of it. They did something with it. And Jesus says, you have been faithful. 
And that's the word that weaves through this whole big chunk of scripture is faith. What is it? What does it look like? That's what Jesus' kingdom is all about. It's a kingdom where real serving is in faith. When we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it's not just saying, okay, I've trusted Jesus as my Savior, I've got my fire insurance, time to kick back and coast. I confess in my walk of faith, I've been guilty of that. We just think, yep, okay, we're, we're good. And Jesus does not call us to that. Jesus does not call us to that. These servants here, not all of them, but some of them, took what the master gave and did something with it. There's one who didn't. Just kind of, yeah, tuck that away and give it to him when he comes back. And we're told here that that, even what that one had, was taken from him. It's not about that we're just, okay, we can kick back and relax. There's an old song, uh, I don't know if it's a hymn, but I just remember singing it. Uh, Freely, freely you have received, freely, freely give. Go in my name and because you believe, others will know that I live. We, when we come to Christ, we've been given something amazing. A new start. The old stuff is, is, is gone. Uh, it's a new life. A clean slate. Grace. Forgiveness. We're right with God. And there's not a time frame on that. We're right with God. Period. Forever. And that's awesome. And he wants us to tell people to share people. Hey, you don't have to struggle. You don't have to try and plod through things and deal with everything that's weighing you down by yourself. Someone has gone ahead of you, put himself on the cross, died and took all that on himself so that we wouldn't have to. He just calls us to follow him, calls us to believe in him, calls us to put our trust uh, in him. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 we're told that by grace, uh, we are saved. That's not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, we might be thinking here, saying, no, I would never boast. Yes, we would, because that's in our nature. Oh, look what I did. I'm awesome. Uh, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in him. So, you've got Jesus Christ in your life. Way back when, God had a bunch of good and cool stuff that he wants you to do. And so, be encouraged by that. If you're a Christian, you're following Jesus Christ, God's got a plan for you. And it's an awesome plan. We don't know all the details, and that can get kind of fun sometimes. (laughs) But, He's got a plan for us, and it's, and it's awesome. Galatians 6 says, don't get tired of doing good. At the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. 
Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. That's what it's all about. Whether you're an employer, an employee, a spouse, sibling, neighbor, how would Jesus have me be this? How would Jesus have me conduct myself in this? And that's what it's all about. That's the life that he brings. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom that he's, he's bringing. And of course, when he comes back again, it's going to be full of all these people that were, what? Sought and saved. Because that's what he says here, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. How many of you, and I'm dating myself, uh, retro moment here, uh, how many of you remember a book called God's Smuggler? Oh, hands, awesome. <laughs> That's good. Uh, the fellow's first name is Andrew. Uh, I'm not going to say his last name because I'm about 99% sure that I'll mispronounce it. So, but his first name was Andrew, and he's called Brother Andrew. As a child, Andrew dreamed of being an undercover spy, working behind enemy lines. As a man, he found himself working undercover for God. His was a mission filled with danger, financed by faith and supported by miracles. This is the write-up on the book I'm reading. This isn't my stuff. I'm just reading a write-up here. Told it was impossible to minister behind the Iron Curtain, Andrew knew that nothing was too hard for God. Crossing closed borders, he prayed, Lord, in my luggage, I have scripture. I want to take to your children. When you were on earth, you made blind eyes see. Now I pray, make seeing eyes blind. Do not let the guards see these things you do not want them to see. And they never did. For 35 years, Brother Andrew's life story has inspired millions to step out on their own journey of faith. This young Dutch factory worker's near-incredible adventures testify of God's step-by-step -step guidance and hour-by-hour -hour provision available to all who will follow his call. Let me just close uh, with a quote from longtime youth pastor and youth director. His name is Jim Burns. He says this, Christ calls us to step out of our comfort zone and walk with him. Stepping out on faith means that we don't know all that's going to happen, but we are putting our trust in someone who does. Putting our trust in Jesus is not always the comfortable way to go. The risk we take is that God knows what he is doing better than we know what we are doing. History and common sense say, put our faith in the infinite creator and savior of the universe rather than in unstable us. And it's interesting because we know we can read that, but then we act like we know better. Or we believe, yeah, I believe that you created everything, God, but man, this thing I'm dealing with, I don't know if you can handle it. It's pretty tough. It's pretty intense. But it makes sense. Why try to figure things out on our own with all of our faults and all of our imperfections when we can just give it to somebody who knows everything? 
who's always been there, who always is there, and who always be there. And this kingdom that Jesus brings, again, this kingdom is one where we see with faith. It's one where we live by faith. And it's one where we serve in faith. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And when Jesus was uh, on this earth and, and, and cruising around and people were following him, many times he was saying, come, follow, follow. He's not waiting for us to get our act together. He says, just come, just come. Our imperfections, our sin, the things that weigh us down, Jesus took care of that on the cross. And this kingdom, it's not a kingdom that operates the way the world does. It's a little bit different. And it's gathering. It's gathering citizens to that point where when Jesus comes back, it's going to be a big group, again, of those who have been sought and those who have been saved. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. And Father, thank you for Jesus, for what he was willing to do to come and go to the cross and bear all of our sins on that cross by dying on it. Thank you that he didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later and is alive. And Father, there is new life in Jesus Christ if we will but come and believe in him. And Father, I just pray for those who are here that are trusting, that have trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, may we be encouraged to just go all out uh, for our Savior. For those who don't know Jesus Christ, Father, I just pray. Uh, we have right now, and I pray that that opportunity would be taken advantage of for people to come to the Savior, to have their sins forgiven, to know that they're forgiven, to know that they belong to God, and know that they will be in heaven with him one day forever. I just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.